You may be seated. I, uh, I want to do a quick survey just, just so I know. I was a little shocked at the last service. Um, not a good or bad way. It's not a wrong answer to this. How many of you were actually born in Anderson, South Carolina? Oh, wow, more in this service. Okay, okay. How many were, were not born in South Carolina? You were not born, oh, what, lots of us. Okay. How many were not born in the United States? You were born in a foreign country. Where, where were you born? Where were you born? Where? Mexico, okay. Anybody, who, who else? Somebody, where were you born? Saigon. Mexico and Saigon. That's really different. That's awesome. Okay. Anybody, anybody in this section? Anybody, where, where were you born? Where? Togo. You are the very first person I have ever met from Togo. That is awesome. How did you get from Togo to Anderson? Oh my gosh, that's never happened either. Hey, wait, you don't know? I, I asked a lady um, from uh, the Soviet Union recently, I, I said, how did, you get from, how did you get from Russia to Anderson? She said, Delta Airlines. I was like, okay, that's great. That's all I needed to know. So I was not born in Anderson. I was born in Los Angeles, California. And I've always, always, because of that, I've always been a Los Angeles Lakers fan. Now, I, I haven't been an L.A. teams fan. My, my allegiance switched from the Dodgers to the Braves in the early 1990s when the Braves were good for five minutes. And then, um, and then I've, I've never really been a Rams fan, I'm more of a Dallas Cowboys fan, but I've always loved, loved, loved the Lakers. And it didn't matter if we were winning. It didn't matter if we were losing like this year. Um, I've always been a Lakers fan. Recently, though, recently within this past year, the Lakers picked up a player on their team that's kind of good. His name is LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, you've heard of him. He's, pro- he, he's definitely one of the top five players in the league today and, and absolutely one of the top players of, of all times. Now, LeBron signed with the Lakers for one reason. It wasn't because he believed in their basketball philosophy. It wasn't because he loved the coach. It wasn't because he just knew he was going to get along with all the players on the team. No, LeBron went to the Lakers for one reason. Anybody want to guess why? Money. Yeah, yeah. And there's always somebody go, all that money won't make you happy. <laughs> I'd like to give it a shot. So this is, this is his jersey. I mean, it's not his, but this is the jersey. And let's say, let's say um, I just picked you out randomly and said, hey, I would love for you to do me a huge favor. Um, I want you to wear this. I'm going to give you this jersey, but I want you to wear it um, two or three times a week in public for three to four hours each time. Um, I, I'm willing to bet that nobody in the room would, would take me up on that because, number one, it's going to really mess with your f- sense of fashion. Um, some people actually might help your sense of fashion. But nobody would want to wear this on a consistent basis unless I told you, if you'll do this for the rest of the year, about every third or fourth day, just put this on, wear it for three or four hours, I'll give you $35 million. Anybody in? Anybody in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. Both hands up. Woo, Pentecostal. Um, (laughs) That's what LeBron makes. So because LeBron gets paid $35 million dollars he's willing to put on put on the jersey because of the investment that the Lakers made it, and that's the way it is with any professional athlete on any team they can talk about how much they love the team all they want but the reason they put on the jersey 
It's because the investment that the team made in them. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, what in the world does LeBron have to do with baptism? I'm glad you asked. The very first thing, and I'll show you this in a couple different places, that Jesus asked us to do when we receive Christ is to go public through baptism. And if the Lakers invested $35 million in LeBron, we got to think about the fact that if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus invested his life on the cross for us, which makes the Lakers' investment in LeBron look bad. But, it, but if, if LeBron puts on the jersey for $35 million, then us as followers of Christ, I just say that our answer should be yes to whatever he asks us to do, especially when we consider in Scripture that his plans are greater than our plans and his, his ways are greater than our ways and his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. So today, I want to talk to you about when people go public at the end of the service today, that's literally them putting on the jersey saying, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus and this is my next step. And I want to look at baptism through um, a couple different passages today and then kind of tie it back to maybe what is our next step in our walk with Christ. Because maybe some people in here are like, you know what, I've been baptized, I'm just here to see somebody else, and that's awesome, but maybe there's something that Jesus wants to do in your life as well. So the very first place we're going to look is the Gospel of Matthew. Now, I love the Gospel of Matthew because it was written by a guy who was an eyewitness to everything that went down in Jesus' life. He was one of his followers. He was called one of the apostles. He's actually known in some circles as Saint Matthew. And, and Matthew tells this story about Jesus and Jesus' baptism. And Matt, the, the Gospel of Matthew is primarily written to a Jewish audience. And so a lot of the, the sentences that we read, sometimes we miss how significant they are because... We're not first century Jews. We're 21st century, you know, people in America. So here we go. I, I want to I give you an example. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now, I would be willing to bet that you don't know anybody that, that has that verse highlighted in their Bible. Because we don't catch the meaning of it. We, we, we just, for years, I would just skip over it. Until I began to discover what a big deal that sentence is right there. I'll give you an example. Let's say today after church, we're standing in the parking lot, and we can't do it long because it's hot, right? It's hot. And, and we have the discussion that everybody has every Sunday after church. Where do you want to eat? And by the time some of y'all decide, it's actually time for, for dinner but because you just skip lunch. I don't know. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I want to go there. And by the time you get there, there's people there. And anyway, so, so let's say I wanted to settle that for everybody. Let's say today I'm craving Cheesecake Factory. Anybody love Cheesecake Factory? I love me some cheese. But here's what's weird. I don't, I don't eat cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory. I eat the strawberry shortcake. Trust me. How, have I ever led you wrong on food? No. No, I know my food, Okay. They bring it out, it's like got some biscuits and some strawberries, you can eat around those, and some vanilla ice cream and some whipped cream. It's amazing. Some of you are craving it right now, right now. So let's say we're going to go to the Cheesecake Factory. Now, that's in Greenville. It's in Greenville, and it's about a 35 to a 40-minute drive. But I said, no, 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 we're not going to drive. We're going to walk. Some of y'all be like, Pastor Pizza in the bottle again. Like, like y'all be kind of worried about me, right? 
please don't email me and tell me I can't say that. I can say anything about me I want to say, all right? So anyway, like, like that, would be, that would be a weird conversation. And, and by the way, I pulled it up on Google Maps. It's about a 35-mile walk. It takes us 11 hours to get there. Now, you, you're probably going to go, you know what? I'm, I'm good with, like, barberitos over here. I think I'm just going to dip in and get me some, some queso and some whatever. But I said, no, I'm going. Now, if I walked to the Cheesecake Factory, you would have to admit that dude wants him some Cheesecake Factory. You don't walk 11 hours for something unless you don't drive 11 hours unless something is real serious. The reason I'm bringing that up is because the first century Jewish reader would have understood that this sentence right here, Jesus coming from Galilee to the Jordan to the specific area where John was, was a 60-mile walk. So if it's a big deal to walk 32, 33 miles to the Cheesecake Factory, how big of a deal is it that Jesus walked for 60 miles to be baptized? When people ask me, is baptism a really big deal? I'm like, Jesus walked 60 miles to do it. And it's not because, listen, he left Galilee. There's a humongous sea there. He could have done it there. But he went to a guy named John who was his cousin and he walked 60 miles. So baptism, at the end of the day, it's a really big deal if Jesus walked 60 miles to get it done. Now, the next verse is real interesting because the Bible says, But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Now, it's so funny that whenever we take our next step in our walk with Christ, or our spiritual journey or whatever, we're going to face some opposition, Right? Somebody's always going to have a problem with maybe what you're doing or what you say you're supposed to do or whatever. But we expect opposition from the enemy. We would expect opposition from the devil. We would expect opposition. But isn't it funny when sometimes the opposition to our next steps in our walk with Jesus comes from people in the family? Like This is John the Baptist. This isn't like John the devil. This is John the Baptist his cousin, he's baptizing people. Jesus is like, I'm here to get baptized. And John's like, I don't think that's a good idea. I used to think that whenever I was taking my next step in my walk with Christ, that everybody would get excited about it. But anytime we're going to take a next step, anytime we're going to walk forward in our walk with Christ, yes, we will face resistance from the enemy, but sometimes the resistance that we face comes from our own house. And so John's trying to tell Jesus, I don't think, I don't think you should do this, but Jesus comes back and says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Now, I have a, I have a problem. Some of you probably have the same problem. It's called procrastination. Anybody got an issue I, I'm, I'm talking it's serious. Like somebody asked me the other day, when's the last time you've been to the dentist? I don't know. I need, to, I need to get around to scheduling that appointment. How many think I've scheduled that appointment? You would be, nobody raised their hand. <laughs> Love the way you believe in your pastor. Thank you very much. Feel believed in. I'm just going to jump in the pool now. Um, I, somebody asked me the other day, said, how, how long has it been? Since you had your eyes checked, I'm like, no idea. I got to get my eyes checked. When am I going to do it? I'm, I'm thinking about it. 
really, I know I need to do it. It's just in the day. It, this year, this year, June 24th is my birthday. Send cards and letters to the church with gift cards. I'm just saying gift cards. I love gifts. I ain't scared. Don't give me anything. No, get me something. <laughs> I've been alive 48 years. But this year, I got to renew my license. And I can't do it online. That means I got to go to the DMV. So I'll probably go on like June 23rd or like, I'm procrastinating. Now I know there's somebody here going, I worked at the DMV. Well, put a freaking smile on your face and serve somebody. I mean, that, that's, what, that's what you can, yeah, okay, yeah. That's where you get responsive. I'm talking about Jesus and you're like, uh-huh, but I talk about the DMV and everybody comes to life. But I understand, I understand. Jesus, Jesus told John, listen, John, I know you got some hesitations and I know you got some reservations, but we're going we're gonna to do this now. We're not going to wait. Jesus is like, I'm on a mission. I've got something to accomplish, and I'm not here to make everybody happy. I'm here to obey the Father, and the Father said to do this, and this is my next step. So you know what, John? We're going to do it right now. And by the way, the best time to take your next step is right now. And I, I don't know about you. I'm gonna just going to confess. Sometimes I'll know exactly what Jesus wants me to do, and I will pray about it. Because if I pray about it, I can delay it, and I don't have to do it. But Jesus told John, no, 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 we're going to do this now. John consented, and watch this. This is, this is what you call an epic moment in Scripture. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Pause real quick. That's the, the reason we baptize by immersion is because that's the way Jesus was baptized. And we don't argue about it. If, you know, whatever, if you got baptized another way, that's fine. The reason we do that here is because baptizo in the Greek means to dip under or to immerse. And so that's why... We, we baptize by immersion. So, so Jesus comes up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. That's awesome. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Now, we're all going to have to agree. This is what you would call a breakthrough moment. Would you agree? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, don't miss this. Breakthrough comes after follow-through. Breakthrough comes after follow-through. I know a lot of people, many times in my own life, I've wanted a breakthrough, but I wouldn't follow through on what God wanted me to do. And if I want a breakthrough, I just got to keep following through. Now, I wish I could tell you as soon as you take that next step, you're going to have a breakthrough. But sometimes it's a process. Following Jesus is not like a one-time decision. It's a daily process where we're following Jesus and we're taking our next step. And we're following Jesus and we're taking our next step. And people have asked me, how do I know when I'm done taking my next steps? It's very simple. Jesus will take you home. So if you're alive, you have a next step. And so, so, so this is an epic moment. And then, then this verse, this verse right here, this is one of my favorite verses. I, I say that all the time, but it's true. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now, I think we have an epidemic in the church today. And it's called spiritual anxiety. And it's from people like me, and I'm sure like many of you, who feel like maybe sometimes we're not good enough. Like, we, we don't do enough for, for like. Do I do enough? I don't know if you ever felt like this. Do I do enough to make God happy? Do I do enough to be a good Christian, right? 
Because for me, I can meet, like, I can read my Bible for 10 minutes, and I feel like that's awesome until I, I meet somebody that read it for 20 minutes. And you're like, oh my gosh, I suck as a human being because they read their Bible for 20. Or, or I can pray for five minutes, which I, that's just a, that's a stretch. I'm going to tell you, it's a stretch for me to pray for five minutes because I can't focus. And then you meet somebody that, I mean, I met people like, I just pray for hours. I'm like, oh my, like, I, I, I am a horrible Christian. Or like, I'll write a thought down and you meet somebody that journaled 17 pages, right? And you're like, but by the way, those people are a little weird. Just going to kind of throw that out there. If you know somebody, I'm like, like get a job, all right? But, but like some people, I'm just kidding. Some people, that's the way they connect with God or whatever. And I have often wondered, God, am I enough? Because I don't feel like I'm as spiritually mature as that person. I don't feel like I'm as spiritually active. But then you, you look at this verse right here and we got to ask the question, up until this point in his life, what had Jesus done to make God happy? Nothing. He had not walked on water. He had not taught one principle. He had not performed one single, single miracle. I love the fact that God tells Jesus, I am pleased with you right now, and here's why. It's not because of what you've done. It's because, who, it's because of who you are. You are my son, and because you are my son, because you are my child, with you I am well pleased. And I believe the message that God had for Jesus that day is the same message he has for anybody in this room wrestling with, am I enough, God? You're wrestling with spiritual anxiety. I understand what it's like to wrestle with spiritual anxiety, but at the end of the day, if you're his child, he says, I love you, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are, and with you I am well pleased. We've talked about it dozens of times before. How many of you have kids? What did they do to deserve your love? Nothing. And if we love them the way we love them, how much more so does a perfect heavenly father love those who belong to him? If you're in this room, listen, I never will forget. I was listening to a pastor one time, and I, I, I don't feel like I'm always right. But I wanted to go through the computer screen and choke this guy out. And I could. Because he told, he's, and he's very well known, and he, I remember he, he told all these people listening to him, all of you must understand that at the end of the day, you're nothing more than a walking disappointment to God. I'm like, you, I won't tell you what, well, that, I'm not even going to say it in this church. But, but I, was, I was so upset. But that's the way some people in this room feel, like you're a walking disappointment. Now listen, Jesus knew everything about you and me before he made us, and he made us anyway, and went ahead and arranged for the payment to be made for our sins. And if you want to know how he feels about you today, he would simply look down at you and say, that's my child whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Not because of what we've done, it's because of who we are in Christ. Well, Jesus went on to do this incredible ministry, and then he commissioned these apostles. And talk about some mess-ups. I mean, these, these guys were not the sharpest knives in the drawer, but he was like, I'm going to use you guys to the gospel to the entire world. And then Peter got to preach the first message of the gospel, and he preached it on a day called the Day of Pentecost. And, and after he gets done with this message, the Bible says, and Luke writes in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut 
to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now for me, because I'm a child of the 80s, when I read cut to the heart, I think shot to the heart, and you're to blame, you're darling, you give love a bad name. But then I come back to the scriptures. Um, <laughs> that's an earworm too, by the way. That's in your head for the rest of the day. You're welcome. But, but all of us have experienced this because all of us have been to church. I know I've been to church, and you sit in a message, and you listen to the message, and you leave, and you'll look at your friend or your neighbor or whoever you came with, and you're like, oh, that was good. That was good. That was, a, that was a good message. What are you talking about? I don't know. It was good. It's awesome. It's great. Let's go to Cheesecake Factory. Eat some food. But then every once in a while, every once in a while, I don't know if this has happened to you, but it's happened to me so many times. It, you get cut to the heart. Like there have been times, have you ever wanted to just stand up and apologize to everybody in the room that got, listen, God, y'all had to listen to God speak to me today. I felt like doing that the first seven times I went to church. I had somebody ask me in the lobby one time here, did my wife email you and tell you I was coming this week? No. Why? You preached about everything I'm doing. I was like, oh, okay, let's, let's have a conversation about that, right? But, 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 but that's one of those things where sometimes God will absolutely captivate our hearts in a message, not to like beat us up, but he wants, he wants greater things for us. And the question when he cuts to the heart shouldn't be, why do I feel this bad? The question should be, all right, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with what I've just heard? God, you just clearly spoke to me and said, do this. So, 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 so God, like, what's, what's my next step? And I love Peter's response. Peter said this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, for years I've thought, because I believe this word right here, repent, is one of the most misused and abused words in the church. Because a lot of people say, the word repent means stop sinning. How's that working out for us? Anybody pull that off this week? Like no sin? Like no sin at all? Like, <laughs> I got on I-85 yesterday for 10 minutes and I sinned 10 times. I mean, at that time a minute, right? It's, it's, it's. So the more I study, though, the more I realize this word doesn't mean re repent. It doesn't mean stop sinning. By the way, that's like saying, don't think about a pink elephant. Bam, got all y'all right there. You just thought about one, right? It's, it's like you're telling the world to stop sinning. That's not what this means. The word repent in Greek is metanoia, which means change your mind. And you know what happens as we walk with Christ over time? We are changing our thoughts to be more like his thoughts. He is actually changing our ways to become more like his ways. And it takes time. It, walking with Christ is a process. It's a continual renewing of your mind. Because I, I shared earlier, I'm, I'm going to turn 48 next month. The, I look at the 48-year-old Perry, looks at the 28-year-old Perry and goes, that guy was a moron. Like, if you're around my age, aren't you thankful that we didn't have Twitter and we didn't have Instagram and we didn't have Facebook to prove to the world how stupid we were, right? Like, if I would have put some of that stuff, I would have never had ministry in my life at all. But, but I feel like, I feel like in 20 years, 
I've changed my mind about some things. I feel like I'm matured. I feel like I'm further in my walk with Christ than I was 20 years ago. And I feel like the 58-year-old version of Perry will look at the 48-year-old version of Perry and go, that guy was a moron too. Because I'm hopefully, hopefully, I'm going to keep walking with Christ. He's going to keep renewing my mind. He's going to keep changing my thoughts, which will hopefully lead to changes in actions. And that's what repent means. God, teach me to think like you think. Teach me to see like you see. Teach me to want what you want for my life. God, those, those types of prayers will absolutely blow your mind. They're scary only if you think God is bad. So he said, repent and be baptized. In other words, go public. Put on the jersey. Show everybody that you're a follower of Christ. And he just called out everybody. He said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of, sin, of your sins, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what's crazy. He was talking to a Jewish audience. All of their lives, they had been through rituals, and they had been, they had been to the temple, and they had seen animal sacrifices. And they were like, really? One more ritual? We need one more ritual? But Jesus gave us, Jesus gave us baptism and the Lord's Supper to identify and to remember what he has done for us. And listen, my baptism story, super confusing. I shared last week my story of uh, Preacher Jim, and I'm not going to go into that again, but like Preacher Jim, Preacher Jim basically made me get saved when I was five, and then um, that we were in an independent Baptist church, and eventually Preacher Jim pissed my dad off really bad, so my dad called him and cussed him out, and we never went back there, true story, um, and, and so we started, we, my mom took me to a Wesleyan church, and they built a new sanctuary and had a baptistry in it, and they asked me, did I want to get baptized? Well, I was seven years old. Baptized? Sign me up. Preacher came by. We had a conversation about um, my salvation. I told him that Preacher Jim made me pray the prayer. And so I was seven, like eight years old. I went up in the little baptistry tank. Mom, dad, grandma, everybody waving them, waving me, dumped me under. Everybody cried. I got a meal out of it, so I was pretty happy. Went home. And then my mom died, and I ran from God. I ran from church. And finally... About 1989, 1990, I started going to church again. And after the church service, people would actually walk forward and talk to the preacher. And we would sing while people walked forward and talked to the preacher. And I was asked my friend one time, I was like, why is everybody walking forward? I thought, well, some people get saved, some people join the church. I was like, you can join this place? He was like, yeah. I was like, is there like a membership fee or anything? He was like, no. I was like, I'm in. So March of 1990, I went up and told the preacher, I said, I'm ready to, I want to join. He said, that is awesome. He said, are you saved? I was like, mm-hmm. He said, have you been baptized? I said, yes, I have. He said, in a Southern Baptist church? I was like, got me there. It was Westland. Does that count? He said, not here. I was like, okay, so the, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. So they baptized me again. I was like, awesome. And then, that was in March of 1990. In May of 1990, I got saved. May 27th, 1990. And so I go to my pastor that night after I got saved. I said, Preacher Gray, I just got saved. What do I need to do? He said, you need to get baptized. I'm like, what the freak? Are you Christians always trying to get somebody in the pool for? Like, I, like what is that? So I, I, I wanted to help him. I wanted to help him. I said, Preacher Gray, I have been baptized. That's why I am so baptized. He said, yeah, but Perry, all you were before when you got baptized was a wet sinner. I was like, okay. 
So I got baptized in August of 1990. That was my, that was my baptism. That's the baptism after I met Jesus. That's the one. That's the one where I went public. Because you can't go public for a man that you've never agreed to follow. And I'll, I'll say this. This was real cool. The, those who accepted this message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, this is just a little, I didn't even include this in the first service. So second, this is what you get for coming to the second service. It's, so Moses goes up on, the, on Mount Sinai and he gets the Ten Commandments. You remember that old Charlton Heston Bible, some of you my age, right? And he comes down and the people have lost their minds. And so he calls a group of people called the Levites to him. So when the law came down from the mountain and the Levites rallied around Moses, 3,000 people were killed. They lost their lives. But when the Spirit comes down from heaven, 3,000 people receive new life. That's the difference between the law and the Spirit. That's a whole nother series for a whole nother time. I just thought somebody needed that today. Last but not least, I'm going to show you a brand, and you just say out loud what the brand is. If you're, if you're watching online, don't type it, because I read through all these comments, and I don't, I just, I'm glad you're watching. But don't type it in, all right? Here we go. Just say it out loud. This, this, this first brand is? Mm. How many of you have gone to Target? You just needed one thing. And you walked out with 20. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> it's all the women. Um, how about this next one? Nike. Yeah. Yeah. This, I, I, love, I love Nike stuff. And th this next one's probably one of the greatest of all time. Even the people with a Samsung had to say it. These are brands, and, and they, we recognize the brands. You say, Peter, why are you talking about brands? It's very simple. Baptism is the brand of Christianity. Because within Christian circles, you'll have liberal and you'll have conservative. You'll have vegan and you'll have carnivore. You'll have Republicans. You'll have Democrats. And if we focus on all of our differences, we can feel divided. But this right here is the one thing he's asked all of us to do. It is something that unites us. It unites us according to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. He said, or don't, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So in just a few moments, I'm going to stand in this pool and I'm going to lower people down in the water. That's to remind all of us that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He literally died. Buried with him in baptism. It's a powerful, powerful symbolic gesture. But then he says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So when the person is standing with me in the pool, as they're lowered under the water, it reminds us that Jesus Christ died for our sins. But when we bring them out of the water, it's a reminder 
that Jesus Christ is alive, which is good news. And here's why. If Jesus is alive, like he conquered death, he overcame death, and he lives in you, then nothing's impossible for you. I, I was listening to a, a praise and worship song this morning while I was on my run, and it was um, the same God who rose from the grave lives in me, lives in me. The same God who rose from the grave lives in me. And it just repeats over and over and over again. And it was just a reminder to me this morning, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Jesus is alive. Nothing's impossible, even when it feels impossible, even when it looks impossible. It's not impossible, not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is in us. That's a reminder. But it's also symbolic of the fact that the person standing in the pool has said, I've given my life to Jesus. As they're lowered under the water, it represents the fact the old me is gone, and the new me has came forward. This is, I'm going to live for Jesus. They're not saying they're going to be perfect. They're just saying for the rest of their lives, they're going to do the very best they can to follow Jesus. So, out of all this, out of all this, it's been a message about baptism, kind of. Because at the end of the day, maybe you've been baptized. My question for you is very simple then. What's your next step? What's your next step in your walk with Jesus? You're going to see seven or eight people take their next step in just the next few minutes. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to clap. We're going to cheer. We're going to celebrate. But what is your next step? Because you've got one. You've got one. And if you don't know what it is, ask the Lord to make it clear. And if you know what it is, then my hope for you is my same hope for me that I would stop praying about it and actually do it. With that in mind, can we stand for our invitation? Jesus, thank you that you want greater things for all of us. That your heart is for our good and not our harm. So, Father, I pray over these next few moments that we will lean in and listen to you. The head's bowed and eyes closed. I wonder if you have a next step today. I wonder if you have something that you know, you know for a fact the Lord is calling you to do. And if you know, if you know it, if you know, you're like, hey, I'm here, I know I have a next step. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or sign anything or say anything. But if you're here and you know you have that next step, I just want to pray for you. Would you just put your hand in the air real quick? And and because I just want to, that's awesome. That's thank you. Wow, that's great. That's great. God, thank you for every single one of these hands. God, of those of us that know we have a next step in our walk with you, I pray you would fill us with the wisdom to know what's right and the courage to do it head still bowed and eyes still closed if you're here today and you know that next step but you need someone to pray with you or for you about it maybe it's salvation maybe it's something else I don't know what it is our care team would love to serve you today by praying with you for you maybe just listening to you so if you want someone to pray with you or for you today then all I want you to do is step out of your aisles and walk out the back doors of this room. And we have care room volunteers 
that will meet you there and will pray with you and for you. Maybe you need to accept Christ. Maybe, you, maybe it's that issue that's been weighing you down. You go ahead and go because we would love to serve you in that way. Amen. Anybody else? Father, thank you so much for who you are and the fact that you want greater things than we actually want for ourselves. I pray, Jesus, that over these next few moments, we would truly celebrate you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.